0: Amen. Right, so we're up to Ezra chapter 5 um and as is sort of the way i've been doing things just to remind you where we were well it wasn't last week it was a fortnight ago um so if you remember they're returning after captivity and the return is the goal is to to rebuild the temple okay to rebuild the house of god and we'd be looking at sort of parallels and the way we can apply that to what we're trying to do here um in in ezra chapter four we saw the adversary showed up pretty quickly and it wasn't with swords and an army was it they um they claimed to want to help them they said, oh, we want to help you build. We, we, we're one of you. They claimed that they worship the same God. And obviously there's a big lesson there, isn't there? Okay, we get a big lesson from that. And I, I don't need to re-preach that. You'll be pleased to know after what was probably a false prophet week or two of preaching. This isn't going to be false prophets this week. Um, and we kind of hit on them a little bit in the morning anyway, just for good measure. So, um, but it wasn't because the temple was built um, and they had problems with the way things are being done, was it? Okay? Because people, they'll try and find their reason, their excuse, you know, or something else. They try to infiltrate right after the foundations were laid, didn't they? Okay, Just remember that. It was right after. Because it's the foundation, it's the chief cornerstone that they really hate, isn't it? Now, of course, they'll claim not to. They claim to worship the same God. But ultimately, usually it's grace through faith. That's usually their issue, isn't it? In one way or another. Well, we saw Zerubbabel, Jeshua and the rest of the chief fathers do the loving thing, didn't they, with them? And they kicked them out. Yeah, that's a loving thing to do. Kick them out onto the curb. They kicked them out. And what did these so-called believers do? Well, they tried to sabotage, sabotage the work. They hired counselors against them, didn't they? They didn't go, okay, well, things didn't work out, let's move on. No, they tried to sabotage it. They, then in the reign of uh, Ahasuerus, uh, and given you know, what seems to be a generic Persian king name of Artaxerxes as well, uh, this, this guy was known historically as Cambyses. he was Cyrus's son the enemies of god team up together if you remember at the end of uh, chapter 4 they write a letter to the king against the jews with false accusations this results in in him writing a letter back ordering the rebuilding work to stop okay and this is what he said in verse 21 of ezra chapter 4 he said give ye now commandment to cause these men to cease and that this city be not building until another commandment shall be given from me take heed now that ye fail not to do this why should damage grow to the hurt of the kings Now, when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. Then ceased the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem, so it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And then we're going to move on now, and we're in Ezra chapter 5 and verse 1, which reads, Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Iddo, prophesied unto the Jews that are in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. I'd like to pray before we uh, get going with this chapter. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all well, this book, which is for me, just giving us so many sort of uh, just parallels and things that we can apply to to our, our work here, trying to rebuild the house of God in this nation. Um, help, help me to just preach um, the message that, that you know, I've got from this chapter just clearly and boldly now. Lord, help just everyone to be motivated by it. Help them to understand why it's being preached, what it's about. Uh, ultimately, it comes comes down to just doing the work of God, getting people saved, um, being being a, a productive church. Lord, help me to preach that clearly and accurately. Lord, please fill me with Your Spirit. Help everyone to have attentive ears. Now, stay awake after what's been a long, warm day. Just name, all this. Amen. Um, Okay, so according to chapter four and verse twenty-four, the work ceased for several years throughout Cambyses' reign until the second year of Darius, who, who features a lot in Daniel, if anyone's wondering why they've heard that before. Ezra 4, verse 6 said, And in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, wrote they unto him an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah. And Jerusalem, and I doubt that it was a long time after that he replied and the work ceased. I don't know how long a letter takes to get there and back and everything else, but I would imagine it wasn't a great deal of time, yeah? And, and then chapter 5, verse 1, then starts with the word, then. It, it said, then. Did it say, then the people met up, had a chat, a vote, and decided to get building again? It didn't, did it? Or, or, or then they all got convicted enough through their private reading of the scriptures? Did it say that? No, God wants us to read his word, but that's not how we're whipped into action. Didn't say, say, then God pointed at the temple and it was built, did it? Then God pointed at the temple, it miraculously built. He could do that, couldn't he? God can do anything. But, but look, that's not how God gets things done here. He sets his people to work, doesn't he? And what's the best way to get his people working? Well, look at verse 1. Then the prophets... Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo prophesied unto the Jews that are in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Oh, it was. It was good old-fashioned preaching, wasn't it? Good old-fashioned hell-raising, barnstorming, fire-breathing, pulpit-banging preaching, wasn't it? That's what I see there. Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo prophesied unto the Jews that are in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel even unto them prophesied means they preach and do you know what they preach to these people what do you think they preach to these people well turn over to Haggai 1 you know they didn't just tell them to serve God in their own way that's not what these preachers did they didn't say well the government has told you that you can't build the temple so you'd better just be good citizens they didn't say that either They didn't say, well, sit at home and listen to thousands of sermons and gain a load of knowledge to sit at home with, did they? They said, get your lazy backsides up off your sofas and get to work. That's what they said. That's what they preached to them. They said, get up and get grafting for God, get working for God. Look at uh, Haggai 1 and verse 1, it says this. In the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So there are many people around the world saying something like that, don't they? Well, there's no church where we live. Let's just keep praying. You know, just not the time, is it? I'll just keep praying and just keep kind of listening to some sermons and keep praying. And and look, nothing wrong with praying, yeah? By all means, pray. But if you can't get to a church, and obviously, look, you know, I'm talking to a church here, but this is how we should advise other people. And obviously we do have people that listen online. And look, there are some great people out there that don't have a church. They can't get to a church, okay? It's not possible for them, for one reason or another, you can't just snap your fingers. I know we'd like to think that everyone can just, right, that's it, jack in their job, they've suddenly got a new job and a home and everything else near a church. It's not always the case. But if they can't get to a church, what should they do they should get to work they should get to work how do you get to work well there's an obvious way of getting to work get out soul winning get out soul winning get out preaching the gospel find other people get get networking try and find people if you can't get to church you would be doing the work that you would be doing at church shouldn't you that's how it should be and look now's the time to build isn't it now's the time to build look if you, you don't have anything built yeah get working he said, he said the time that the Lord's house should be built, he said the time, he said and this is what they're saying, the time has not come, that the, time of, the, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Well, no, he's basically saying it is the time. Now, how do you do that? Well, like I said, you get soul winning, you get working for God, you get out there grafting, that's how you build the house, that's how you laid the foundation. You lay the foundation by getting enough people saved in your area. You, you preach the gospel. Now, if you can't do that, and there are people out there just can't, they like, I can't motivate, I can't get out there doing that. Well, then they definitely need to find a way to move to a church then. Because that's a Christian life. And there's too many lazy, apathetic Christians that won't do anything for God. But that's not what we're called to. We're called to serve, we're called to work. Either get to a church, or, or if not, then you need to find a way of laying that cornerstone at the beginning, enough saved people in your area for there to be a possibility maybe for a church. And, and that, that's what I see. Look, verse three then says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. He said, Consider your ways. And, and God's house is lying waste around this nation, isn't it? Around this world. Look, God's house is, is everywhere where, well, where there's believers w- willing to serve the Lord or at least where there's believers because they should, the house should then encourage them to be willing to serve the Lord. And it's lying waste everywhere. And, and, and really, God's saying, consider your ways. Consider your wa- ways. W- whilst his children are dwelling in their nice homes, watching sermons online and saying, we just really need a church nearby. He said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. What are you doing? What are you doing? And and there are people out there like that. If only you could plant a church in wherever. If only, you know, and they come to like, people like our pastor and others, and go, we need a church here, we need a church there. Now look, great. If there's a group of people all serving God, preaching the gospel and everything else, great. But a lot of the time it's not. A lot of the time it's people sitting at home, not even considering going out and doing anything for God. You know, and look, I want to inspire people like that. And we want to do as well, don't we? We want to encourage other people, yeah? Get out there, consider your ways. But, however, we can also get on our high horse, can't we, and go, well, we're going to church, or we've considered our ways, yeah? But if you're turning up at church, are you here to build? Are you here to build? Are you here to get stuck in with the work, or is it all about you? Because there's a lot of people that come to church and it's just all about them. And I think, I've said this many times, I think part of that is just, we've, most people have been exposed to basically false churches false churches where it's pat back time and it's like what can I get out of this place well I'm going to go this one because it's very nice and I find them very friendly and you know the tea's good the biscuits are nice or maybe this one I really like the building it's a very pretty building a lot of people go to a church based on how pretty the building is did you know that a lot of C of E church types these old beautiful old buildings that one looks nice let's go there you know people get married in churches just because it looks nice yeah but but really when it comes to a real church what's the point of a church it's to serve God obviously we come to worship him we come to praise him we come to grow as well it's not just all just that however how do we ultimately grow by serving him and we come here because it's like the headquarters to go out and work isn't it and look there are people sadly that don't come to build to serve they're just here leaning on the shovel really there are people that come to a church on the shovel. Now, look, just to make this clear, there are people that are in seasons of life, you know, those with young kids, things like this, pregnant ladies, etc. are not going. Oh, Why aren't you grafting? Break your back, you know. You should be out pounding the, pound the pavements more. But ultimately, what's our goal? Why are we at church? Are we at church to see what we can get, or are we at church to see how we can serve? Because for me, I see here him telling them to build the temple, right? Uh, and, and, and when you look through the book of Acts what are people doing they're there serving God going out preaching the gospel daily in the temple in every house they ceased not to preach did they so what are we doing well because some people look some people go no look I'm here to help with the work yeah I'm, I'm here to soul win yeah I'm soul winning but you know there are many people that go out soul winning that are actually soul hindering you know that And we've got to be careful we're not soul hindering. We've got to be careful that when we're out preaching the gospel, going out knocking on doors, that our whole goal is I want to get people saved. I don't want to put people off. I don't want to make this person never want anything to do with the Bible and the gospel again. I'm not here to have a debate. I'm not here for apologetics time. I'm not here to copy my favourite YouTube debater or whatever. I'm here to try and preach the gospel and if not, leave a good taste in their mouth and move on and that's a big part of soul winning isn't it soul winning we're trying to look we're trying to get people saved that's our goal to get people saved we're there to 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 win souls but it's not just about the the soul winning door knocking debater because you know there's a a big part of church as well is supporting the work of the church supporting the leadership of the church as well we we need your support you know Are, are you praying for for our pastor and his family you know is that something that's on your? are we on are we is he on your prayer list are we on your prayer list me and my family because we need it you know others in the church other people in the church need your prayers you know when you see those prayer requests come up on our group chat, we need to be praying for people don't we they're obviously on their heart those things they want praying for when we pray on a Wednesday night we're here to pray aren't we we want to pray for people we want to help people and sometimes you'll just see things that maybe you just know need praying for anyway for people that they haven't requested for And it's all part of it, isn't it? But definitely, like me and my family need your prayers. There's a big target on our back, you know? We need your help, your support, your prayer. Because many will come to a church and, and, uh, you know, and really instead they're like, yeah, but what can I get? What can I get? And then suddenly they're just focusing on petty grievances between other people at church. And this one said that. But that's not what we're here for, is it? We're here to serve and we're all going to get stuff wrong. Everyone in the church is going to wind people up, annoy people, say things now and again. But does that really matter? When really our job is here to serve the Lord, isn't it? We're here to build the temple, to build the house of God. Is that our mentality? Is our focus building God's house or is it about you? What is it? Hopefully it's about building God's house. God said, consider your ways. And he has ways to get you working. Did you know that? He's got ways to get you working other than just some preacher shouting at you to get working. He said, consider your ways. And one of those ways is chastisement it's chastisement it's chastisement for us to reflect upon as well in our lives and here's a question before we look at that is it always obvious when you're being chastised no or he wouldn't constantly remind us the way he does it there'll probably just be one passage in the bible going these are sort of chastisements keep an eye out you know but he constantly reminds us because i think many times people get chastised in life and then argue it away that it can't have been chastisement well, it's probably nothing to do with the fact that I just did this or did that or said this or I've been behaving like this or I've been coming to church with this mentality or I haven't been coming to church or whatever it is. But God clearly spells out chastisement and here he does that. says in verse 6, Ye have so much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. And, and... Over the past several years of inaction, of a lack of work for God, this is what's happened in their lives. They're, they're working hard for little reward, they're constantly hungry, they're constantly thirsty, they're constantly cold, their earnings just seem to disappear. And we often preach that about tithing, don't we? But it's not, that's not the only thing it's about. It's about all forms of different ways of working for God and how, look... He'll warn you, he'll warn you. I don't know at what point all these started kicking in, but they started kicking in within that seven years, didn't they? And then suddenly these guys are, you know, and that happens to many people, don't they? You just feel like, where's my money going? When you're not right with God, you're saved, but you're not right with God. It just seems to just disappear. You don't ever seem to be satisfied. And it's not necessarily just food and drink and things like that, but often it is. You're just not quite satisfied. You're just not quite happy. Or maybe you're getting chastised. Maybe you need to consider your ways," he said in verse seven. "Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways." He said it twice, didn't he? He said, "Consider your ways." That's something we're called to do. Consider our ways. Consider what we're doing. Is what we're doing is our heart? Is our is our minds? Our, our, is our focus lined up with how God wants it to be? And, and or are there things going in our life that could be chastisement, and we should be considering our ways? These are things to make us consider our ways. Now, many Christians will go through this stuff, yet refuse to consider chastisement, won't they? How many won't? Now, there's, you then get the opposite. You get people, whenever they hear of anything that a Christian goes through, will then just constantly accuse it of them being chastised. it ain't nice to look at other people and go, you must be getting chastised, you must be getting chastised. It makes us feel good, doesn't it? And Whitlow, he didn't say consider everyone else's ways, did he? He said consider your ways. Yeah, we should be reflecting. We know whether we're right with God. We know whether it's a trial. We should know whether is it a trial or is it chastisement? Yeah, is it? Are we just going through, you know, life as we are? You know, we have to go through life, don't we? Yeah, and and the same afflictions, you know, that that are with our brethren are in the world, aren't they? Or or is it chastisement? And only we know, really, because we should be considering our ways. You said, consider your ways. Verse eight. He then said. Go up to the mountain and, and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. So he, he said, forget the order not to build, didn't he? He said, forget the government rules. Be like the apostles in Acts 5.29 who said, we ought to obey God rather than men. That's what he said, didn't he? He said, and obviously they didn't know the apostles at this point, all right? They didn't know all of them, but this is what happened obviously after that as well. But he said, he said, go up, bring wood and build a house, okay? I will be glorified, saith the Lord. And they were stopped by force and power under command of the king. I mean, they had a pretty strong excuse, didn't they? Not to be working for God. Did God accept that as an excuse? God, they were forced by power and force and a commandment of the king to stop working. And he said, get to work. In fact, he chastised them during that time for not working. What excuse do some of us have? What excuse to the many, many saved people around this nation, those many people that you've got saved that aren't working for God, what excuse excuse do they have? Are they being forced, physically threatened not to work for God? Is anyone here being physically threatened not to work for God yet? And again, you get a bit of it outdoor knocking, don't you? But not much, nothing like that, right? He said in verse nine, ye look for much, and lo, it came to little, and when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house it is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. So he basically said he was just like getting rid of whatever they were gathering, collecting, etc. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from a fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labour of the hands. God still punished them, didn't he? They were threatened by force and he punished them. He punished them for not working, for their lack of work. And for me, their excuse sounds a lot more reasonable than most Christians. I mean, compare that to some of our excuses sometimes for not working for God. And look, and let me tell you, look, do you know what the result of this sort of preaching should be and the preacher that haggai did there and ultimately what i'm repeating here it should be a kick up the bum shouldn't it and that's how it should be it should be a kick up the bum and people here or people listening online people listening in the future be like i need to get working for god i need to either get in church i need to try and do the work you know of a church if i can't get in church or if i'm in church i need to be doing the work when i'm in church i need to get my head right i need to get my mentality right i need to be here to work they should be listening to it, considering their ways, shouldn't they? Considering the chastisement of life, being like Joshua and saying, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's how they should be. However, what is the reality? So many people listen to stuff like this and get stubborn. They'll stiffen up. Maybe they'll do a good sign of not showing it. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they'll stiffen up. They make the excuses for why they're justified. That happens so often, doesn't it? And preach a message, you preach a hard message, and people just stiffen up. And then they start just getting stubborn and thinking, well, you don't know my life. Well, you don't know what I've been, you don't know what my history, you don't know, you don't know. But do you think God would have accepted that? Did he accept them being threatened, physically threatened by the king and, and, and his basically forces? No. Not here in Ezra, though. Here in Ezra, they responded. Look at verse 12. It says, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. So, you know, whether it's because you you just love and want to obey our awesome God, or it's because of a healthy fear of Him, either way, a big part of preaching is to encourage us to work for Him, isn't it? That's that's a big part of it. That's one of the big goals of, of preaching. So. You know, if you, you might be sitting here going, no, not another one of these. Oh, we've got to work for God. Oh, we've got to make sure we're in church. Oh, yeah, but that's, that's a big part of the job here. Because without it, without the motivation, without the encouragement, without, sadly, the threats of chastisement as well, many people will just drift, will stop coming, won't come to the services, will start drifting out of church, will come less and less and less and less, will stop working for God when they're here, will do less part of preaching is to encourage isn't it and some of that is shining the light on those sins that get in the way as well yeah that's a big part of preaching as well is shining the light on the sins whether it's a laziness or whether it's some other sins in your life that will then get in the way of you working for god but you're not getting that sitting at home singing kumbaya and sharing each other's private interpretations of scripture are you that ain't happening because there's that movement out there as well that you come across and you get people trying to attack churches like ours and go, we should all just be sitting in homes, playing a guitar or something. It's like, no one's getting preached at like that in those home places, are they? You're, you know, God calls us to work to keep building the house of God. And it's an ongoing job, isn't it? And he calls us through preaching. That's how he called them, it was through preaching. It's through hard preaching. Look at verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, uh, sorry, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people saying, I am with you, saith the Lord, then spake Haggai, sorry. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. And the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. So how did he stir up the spirit? It said in verse 14, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel through a preacher preaching God's word. But it's not all on the preacher, though, is it? So, yeah, a preacher needs to preach it. He needs to encourage. He needs to get you working. But those men had the right spirit when they listened as well, didn't they? they clearly had the right attitude they had the right spirit they listen they listened to the preach they got up and started working they could have hardened their heart couldn't they they could have hardened their heart to the preaching they could have been out the back making coffee when the preacher was going on finding excuses to get out the room or whatever else and i'm not knocking anyone who's just got gone to the top. but people look sometimes people they'll just hide out you know I'll hide out, just avoid, just find something else and start, you know, flicking through. I remember we had some clowns here before. While you're preaching, hard messages, they'll just be flicking through their Bible. Oh yeah, look at that, you know. (laughs) It's amazing, you know. However, they didn't do that here, did they? Because the Lord stirred up their spirit through that preaching. But part of that is on them as well. Verse 14 said that they came and did the work, didn't it? It said, and they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their god that was the result of hard preaching and make no mistake that was hard preaching you know look Haggai I, it doesn't really matter whether he was shouting whether he was screaming whether he was screaming you know insults or anything else and look sometimes there's a time and a place for that stuff who knows but what's written in Haggai 1 Isn't all that he preached, obviously, as we were told that Zechariah got stuck into. But however, the book of Zechariah, we see at least a book just shows us uh, from the eighth month. And we're going to look at that soon. But what exactly they had preached at this point, you know, at the end of the sixth month here isn't clear. But I'm sure most of it was along the lines of what we've just read in chapter one of Haggai, where he said, consider your ways. You're getting chastised because you're not getting work, basically getting to work for God. Then he said, get to work slackers. That's basically what he said, didn't he? He spelled it out. He spelled out the chastisement. And that's hard preaching, isn't it? And then he told them what to do. Now put something in Haggai and Turn to Isaiah chapter 58. Look, don't get me wrong. There's a time for teaching. okay? There's a time for doctrine. There's a time for exposing the sins of the world. There's a time for exposing false prophets. There is a time for all of that. okay? You can't just literally preach motivational sometimes you can't just preach on people's sins as well but the hardest preaching is when the preacher is calling out your sins and telling you to get right that's hard preaching and that it's not just you know what it's not just hard to sit in yourself it's also hard to preach you know look that's not easy sometimes because look you know, ultimately, people in life, you know, you don't always want to be disliked. <laughs> Especially not by your brothers and sisters in Christ and stuff. And, and a lot of people then veer away from that sort of stuff, don't they? Oh, well, I'm going to upset so-and-so. This is going to annoy someone else. Or, or someone just like, someone's going to get annoyed by this. But in, in Isaiah 58 and verse 1, Isaiah is told, Cry aloud, spare not lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins and that's why preaching has to be direct has to be direct has to name the sin it has to name it has to shame it no matter who it who it upsets as well right and look people are sitting in here look you're not going to it's rare you're going to get preaching like this at least in this nation and uh, and ultimately it's not because you know i don't think i'm special Other than men of god here can preach like this as well it's really because we have a good background in in understanding and h- seeing and knowing the the effects that ultimately we're grounded in the word and know that the word of god says to preach like this the word of god says cry aloud spare not it says to show my people their transgression and the house of jacob their sins and it's not always easy to li- to listen to either is it it's not always easy and you got be, you have some fiber amongst you however however you're better to have a smaller church who wants to get right than a church full, you know, a church of people that don't want to get right. Amen. Yeah, You're better to have a church of people tough enough and humble enough to take a whooping from the pulpit. Because, look, you've got, you've got to deal with that, don't you? Sometimes it's not easy than a church of self-important little snowflakes, which sadly is probably like most people around the world, where what will happen then? Sin will run rampant and the work will start to dwindle. Because sin, look, sin gets in the way of hard work for God, right? That's why we're constantly trying to clean ourselves up, motivate ourselves at the same time as well to work and work for God. Go back to Ezra 5, which also then shows the result of this preaching. I'm going to go back to Ezra 5 and verse 1 says, Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Ido, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them, Them. Now look at this, look at verse 2. Then, then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua the son of Jozadak and began to build the house of God which is at Jerusalem. With them were the prophets of God helping them. So they got back to work. And did that then mean that it was pipe and slippers time for the preachers? So they did their job, they got them working yeah was that right okay we're done let's relax and just you know high five about you know good preaching we did Haggai and Zechariah you know just hanging out having a little relax now those prophets got stuck in too It said then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua the son of and began to build the house God which is at Jerusalem and with them were the prophets of God helping them they led by example that's important isn't it whether it's leadership or people preaching the word of God you have to practice what you preach, don't you? Okay, you have to. And how can someone preach, for example, about soul winning if they're not soul winning? Do you, do you know what, why there are believers in churches around this nation that don't soul win? is because the preacher doesn't soul win. And if the preacher, pastor, whatever he is, doesn't soul win, he ain't going to preach about soul winning, is he? And it comes down to him. How can they preach about working hard for the Lord and then preach like a 15-minute sermonette once a week? Because people, you know, you know, writing sermons takes a long time. Yeah, studying it out, looking, trying to get together a, a, a sermon which which you're hoping is going to affect people. Look, and sadly, there are guys out there that will just do a little little sermonette, little worldly speech, fifteen minutes. Do you think they're going to preach about working hard for the Lord? No, and no one's going to take them seriously if they did. But it, but it's much more than that as well. And you know, it's been something I've been thinking about a bit recently. It's why those qualifications that we looked at previously when we, you know, in I think the first week of studying Ezra, um, we looked at 1 Timothy 3 and we also see him in Titus 1. It's why they're so important. Now, I want you to turn to Titus 1 quickly, just to look at this because it's not just about having a wife and kids. Because there are those out there, and there's a joke, our pastor talks about it sometimes, where you had these people, especially at the beginning of, of the NIFB type movement, when it was getting popular, that sort of preaching, that sort of soul-winning soul sort of churches, was sort of, you know, you get someone to go, right, wife, tick, kids, tick, read the Bible 10 times, tick, ordination time. know and there were there were those people out there you know they were like i could do this just stand behind a pulpit and shout right yeah it looks fun you get some fame because they saw obviously like it's sort of you know the youtube fame and stuff as well but but, but do you know what do you know what's something that's more ridiculous than that is no wife no kids but read books read books about the bible 10 times at bible college okay I haven't even read the Bible through. That's half of them out there. But at least I've read books about the Bible ten times. I mean, that's even more bizarre, isn't it? And that's the majority of so-called Baptist pastors around this nation and others. Yeah, That's even more ridiculous. So let's not go too far on this. However, both are ridiculous, really. Now, now the reason I say this is because in the future, look, we're, we're going to both look to send out men from here. We, that's something we'd like to do in the future as we grow. We're going to look to plant churches, and also we're going to look at men in remote areas, groups that get together who have the potential to meet these qualifications. But I've started to understand more and more how important these are. And look, it's it's not just for the health of the church, but it's also for your own good. It's for your own good too, because I think some people look, and there'll be people out, there'll be people in time to come that are just like, yeah, that looks like fun. Oh, I fancy a bit of that for one reason or another. But it's for your own good as well. It's for the church's good, because how can you preach about many of the topics in the Bible if you're not writing them? You can't do it sincerely, can you? If I'm standing behind you and I'm preaching, you've got to sort this out, get this out of your life, and I'm, I've got an issue with it, I mean, that would that be bizarre, wouldn't it? Absolutely, I can't do that with any strength of character or anything else. And, and But in the same way, if if for yourself because this job is like no other being a and, and i'm not a pastor yet but leading being in the ministry leading a church is like nothing else. if 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 you're not qualified you will fail or or, or well basically you you'll either fail or quit OK, because this job, like, you, you, and it's one of those things, and it's not, it's not for violin, because it, it's such an honour as well. It's such a blessing to be able to do a job like this. Don't get me wrong, yeah? It, it's a great thing to be able to do, it's an honour, it's not something that I'd ever regret. However, you, can ha- you have no idea. No one has any idea about a job until you start doing this job. They really don't. You know, no one, no one, you can't have an idea what this job really entails, OK? But it's a blessing, OK? however you need to you need to have the qualification especially when it comes to becoming a pastor look at titus chapter one and verse five it says for this cause this is paul writing to titus for this cause left i thee in crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as i had appointed thee if any be blameless the husband of one wife having faithful children not accused of riot or unruly if a pastor is full of serious sins how's he going to preach about them sincerely he can't can he but if a pastor is on his second wife how's he going to preach about divorce if a pastor's kids are wayward how's he going to preach about parenting and suddenly you've just cut out big chunks of the bible that suddenly he can't even preach about big topics big issues in life that he cannot preach really and and look it's not that they have to be perfect it's not that the children have to be perfect because you can then try and hold this stick up here but however they should be faithful and not accused of right or unruling Right, he said, It says, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. If he's self-willed, how's he going to yield to God's will? If he's, a, if he's a hothead, basically, you know, not soon angry, if he's a hothead, how's he going to take the constant provocation in a job like this? And it's constant sometimes. If he's a boozer, I mean, how on earth is he going to warn others about booze? If he's constantly rowing, how's he going to encourage others not to strive? And if he's covetous, how on earth is he going to be a steward of God's money? And there's a lot of covetous people out there. All they think about, all they can talk about, all that's on their minds is money, 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 money. And they're not just the unsaved reprobates either. There's a lot of people like that. It says, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. He needs to be welcoming, love good people, be sober in all its forms, be honest, be right with God, have self-control. It says, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. He needs to be sound in doctrine as well, doesn't he? Not a novice with the word. There's a lot of people out there that are like novices with the word, yet they somehow like, have these desires to, to preach or to, to, to pastor even. And that's most, sadly, Bible college kind of products, isn't it? And so much of that there, that list is to be able to lead by example, to be able to preach that stuff. But it's also the breastplate of righteousness, isn't it? Because when you do a job like this, and when we send people out in the future, and when we try and get people in the future leading groups out there, look, you and your, suddenly, you and your family will suddenly gain a load of enemies. Straight away, overnight, you'll suddenly have a load of enemies. And you can't be in going around in all sorts of wicked sin or anything like that because they're looking for anything on you. They, they want something, anything to criticise you, to disqualify you, to make the slander sound more believable. It's a serious job, right? It's serious. And, and, and here, obviously, we're talking about this because we're seeing that the prophets, just to be able to just preach about working hard for God, they had to get up and get involved, didn't they? Well, who was going to take them seriously? but think about it with a pastor it's across the board right it's a serious job and and like I said in the future in this church and, and, and when it comes to groups around this world yeah and I'll tell you now I won't be ordaining anyone that I have doubts about with this stuff because for their own good as well because you can't you know look yeah you can aspire to these qualifications and ultimately, you know, as a as a leader or as an evangelist, that's not the same quality. You know, you should be aspiring towards that, though. You should be on your way towards that. But as a pastor, I won't be doing that. Because it's madness. Because it will just fall. It will fail. And it's not just for the people that, that, that want a church. Because do you know what's worse than having no church? Is having a destroyed church. Having a church, having the house of God torn down and just ruining people's lives and... People just ruining their spiritual lives afterwards because they just give up on the things of God. And believe me, this, ch- this look, people want to tear this church down. Believe me, okay? There are many enemies of this church that want it torn down, that want me destroyed, that want my family destroyed, that want us torn down and just just cause a massive issue and destruction in this church. And, and look, it's not just any church in the future it's going to be the same. It's not just because oh, because we're like this church in the UK. All churches. They all have enemies. And this stuff's really important stuff, isn't it? But leading by example is really important. And, and back in Ezra 5, like I said, those prophets, they didn't just take, just talk a good talk, did they? They, they? they walked it too, at least on what they're preaching. And obviously that's something that, even like when the men get up here and preach, is a man going to get up here and preach something that he has an issue with, that, he, that he's not on top of, that he's not now? He might have got right with that fairly recently okay but and he might learn and understand how he can get right with that how to do that and how to be able to preach that but but with all no one you'd be mad to wouldn't you you're getting up there and you'd just be a hypocrite right well the prophets they weren't hypocrites look at them verse two says then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Jeshua the son of Josiah and began to build the house of God which is at Jerusalem and with them were the prophets of God helping them Okay, they're getting stuck in, they're working, they're grafting, they're not just got their feet up out the back going, well, I've made it now because I'm preaching. At the same time came to them Tapnai governor on this side of the river, and Shithar Boznai and their companions, and said thus unto them, who hath commanded you to build this house and to make up this wall? So here comes trouble. This, this is a government getting involved again. Verse 4 says, then said we unto them after this manner, what are the names of the men that make this building? So they basically answered, it's the same people building it that have commanded it. That's what I see that. They're going, well, what are the names of these men that make this building? Basically, the ones who are commanding it are the ones grafting. We're all at it, yeah? We're just doing what we've been told to do or what we, what we want to do type thing. But the, but the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews, and they could not cause him to cease till the matter came to Darius. And then they returned answer by letter concerning this matter. So why didn't they panic and stop building was it those sermons that they had heard that got them started that had stayed in their mind, do you think? Look, sermons can. You might look back to sermons that you've heard in the past and think, yeah, that, that hit me, that one, you still remember parts of it. But as life changes as a sermon can be, do you know what's more, what's more effective than a hard-hitting, inspiring sermon? Lots of hard-hitting, inspiring sermons. That's what it, That's what it is. Turn to Haggai 1 again. Because, look... Y- and you, where you're going to get lots of hard-hitting, inspiring sermons in church? That's where you need to be. Ezra 5:5 5, 5 said that the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews. How was the eye of their God upon them? Through His preachers. Through His preachers. Look at Haggai 1. It said in verse 1, Haggai 1:1 1, 1 said in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month. Okay, so the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, His people say this time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. So when was that? That was basically the first day of the sixth month. Yeah, now we in our in our uh, ways we would call that the first of June, wouldn't we? Okay, but obviously that we've got different months. The month starting in the springtime. But let's say the first of June. Verse 14, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. Look at verse 14. Then the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Verse 15 says, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. So this is the 24th now of June. So he preached, it seems, the word of the Lord came unto him, and he's actually preaching it. He said, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, etc." He goes on and preaches to them. Somewhere around the 1st of June, it took over three weeks for them to respond and get to work, didn't it? Now, maybe he had to preach a sermon series. Maybe they had to kind of get up, you know, the strength to do it. Maybe he preached a few sermons. Like I said, maybe Zechariah was preaching as well at this point. Did he then leave it there after the 24th of June, as we're calling it, yeah? Well, no, look at chapter 2. So Haggai chapter 2 and verse 1 then says, in the seventh month, okay. remember we were looking at what seemed to be the 24th of what we would call June of the sixth month, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai saying, so this is now about a month later, okay? Speak now to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do ye see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? She's going, This is nothing like it was, is it? He said, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. That's a motivational sermon now, isn't it? That's a motivational one. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Remember what it was like of old. That's what we're aspiring to be like. Be strong, don't fear. OK, a motivational sermon. And we need those often, too, don't we? And, and then often we also need the reminders of the bad examples of how we shouldn't be. OK, and, and look, that's why when you come to a church like this, you're going to hear similar messages like this. OK, you're going to hear it. And obviously we're going through a Bible study and this is a clear message in this chapter. But you're going to hear that time and time again. Work hard. Don't give up. Stay strong. Do you know that being in church is, is a sign of strength? People who are just here, week in, week out, month after month, year after year. That's a sign of strength. It's not, oh, well, you know, they probably obviously ain't got better things to do or something else. No, it's a sign of strength. Strength of character. It's discipline. It takes takes something, doesn't it, to just keep coming, week in, week out. To take that hard preaching sometimes, to get whooped from the pulpit sometimes, to keep getting out there, to keep preaching the gospel, to go through sometimes those weeks, sometimes longer, when just no one even wants to hear it. It takes strength. And he said, be strong, be strong, be strong, fear ye not. Now turn over to Zechariah chapter 1. That last sermon by Haggai was on what we would call the 21st of July. It's the 21st of the seventh month. Now, in Zechariah 1, we then see a different angle from another preacher. Look at Zechariah 1 and verse 1. And Zechariah, by the way, if you're wondering, is right after the book of Haggai. And it said this in verse 1, Zechariah 1.1, 1, 1, in the eighth month. So now we're into the eighth month. Remember that was the twenty-first of the seventh month. In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah the son of Berechah, the son of Ido, the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Look, you want God on your side? will turn unto him then. You know, there are many people that, I want God on my side, I need God, I need God to help me with this, to help me with this issue. Well, turn to him first. Make sure you're turning to him. He said, he said, uh, he said, turn ye unto me and I will turn unto you. Verse four says, be ye not as your fathers unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, thus saith the Lord of hosts, turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. He said, don't be like previous generations. Don't be like the failures. Sometimes, look, people need reminding of the... For example, with this church, often I'm going to remind you of the failing churches around this nation. Those previous churches that have failed, that are just lily-livered, little liberal, limp-wristed, little waste of space... Just out there, just doing nothing. Too scared of their own shadow to preach the truth. Too scared of their own shadow to go out and preach the gospel. Too scared of their own shadow to actually just preach the word of God and preach what the Bible says. They're too scared. They're just, and we need reminding of what what the, a joke these churches have become in this country, don't we? Yeah, that's what he's doing now. He's going, don't be like your fathers. Don't be like the previous generations. Yeah. Don't stop thinking, oh, we could just act like them. No, he's saying, don't be like them. They're an example of how not to behave. He said, your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, like as the Lord of hosts sought to do unto us, according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. So basically, we don't want to look back in time to come and say, well, he did warn us if we get slack. If we ignore his warnings, what will happen? And it just happened. Oh, well, you know, he did warn us, didn't he? Well, at least we knew that God was God was right. Look, we don't, we don't want to tempt the Lord, do we? Don't tempt the Lord thy God. And basically, from all of this, so we've seen a hard-hitting sermon saying, what the, you're sitting at home while my house is empty? Yeah, and, and look... You can preach that from this pulpit a lot sometimes, can't you? Who's sitting at home while his house is empty? He, he then we saw that from Haggai. Then we saw motivational, be strong, be strong, be strong. You know, We saw from Zechariah, we saw him saying, look, don't be like the past. Don't be like your past fathers. And what was the result? Well, back in Ezra chapter 5, it said in verse 5, but the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews that they could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius. Now, it seems like they wanted them to cease, didn't they? They could not cause them to cease till the matter came to Darius. So, look, there was some pressure, right? And there'll be pressure on this church at times. There'll be pressure on you. There'll be pressure individually on you. There'll be pressure on your families to stop serving God. They'll try and call you an extremist. They'll try and act like we're some sort of crazy cult or something else because we dare to believe the Bible. They're going to come out with all that stuff at different angles. They're going to try and act like, oh, you've changed. You know, you you need to stop going to that church. You're not so fun anymore. You're this. There'll be all these different angles coming at you all the time. And there'll be, there'll be official angles sometimes coming at this church that we... We've obviously had a small amount of that before. There'll be all these different ways that people try and stop the word. However, the eye of their God is upon the elders of Jews that they could not cause them to cease. Okay, they could not cause them to cease. Why? Because they had preachers preaching at them. Be strong, be strong, be strong, fear not. And, And you know what? When I see people that are just in church week in, week out, year after year, you go, yeah, we've got some strong people in this church, right? of strong people and everyone can be strong if they're listening to the preaching and responding to the preaching right he said it said till the matter came to darius and then they returned arts by letter concerning this matter then said that the copy of the letter that tatnai governor on this side of the river and shithar bosnai and his companions the a Farsakites, which were on this side of the river sent unto darius the king they sent a letter unto him wherein was written thus unto darius the king all peace be it known unto the king that we went into the province of judea to the house of the great god which is builded with great stones and timber is laid in the walls and this work goeth fast on and prospereth in their hands that preaching had some results didn't it Look, just last bit about the preaching you know because sometimes you think well you know that kind of seems to be the main point of uh, our church there. So where's the band you know where's the, the lights where's the kind of you know where's the food bank and the homeless ministry look there are two main things that our church is going to do one it's going to go out and preach the gospel and number two we're going to focus on preaching hard out of the bible right preaching the word of god because it gets results it always has got results it always will get results now some of those results will be basically a bit of a purging process and some of those results will be people coming in here turning straight back around at the end of the service and never coming back Sometimes the weak will slowly just be getting smashed by the pulpit and instead of sorting themselves out and cleaning themselves up, they'll also go out that door. But you know what I say, I say you know, let the door hit you on your way out, yeah? Let the door hit you, because really, what do we want? We want to work for God. We need some hard workers in here, don't we? We need people that can respond to the preacher and get grafted. Now, look, don't get me wrong. Well, there'll be people in all stages of life. We want people in here. We want them to be inspired to be those hard workers. But the result comes from the preaching. That's why preaching is so important. That's why an hour of this service, give or take, is preaching. And it always will be. And we won't cut it down to a little 25 minute or a little 20 minute or so we can get a, a couple of specials in. For someone to stand up here and, you know, really show everyone how great their voice is or something. How great their musical skills are. Look, that's all good. We'll sing a nice song to the Lord. But ultimately, the main part of this service is preaching. Because preaching gets results, doesn't it? And that's why you're here. And that's why many people are here. because they've heard preaching in the first place to get them into church in the first place. So they were busy, though. The house is built with great stones, timbers laid in the walls. This work goeth fast on. Remember, at this point, there was only the foundations, it seems. Now we're starting to see loads more in this short amount of time. Then asked me those elders and said said unto them thus, Who commanded you to build this house and to make up these walls? We asked their names also to certify thee that we might write the names of the men that were the chief of them. And thus they returned us answers, saying, We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. Yeah, don't forget that. We are servants. Okay, we are servants. Don't let your pride get in the way. You're a servant. Of the God of heaven and earth, they said, and build the house that was builded these many years ago, which a great king of Israel builded and set up. Obviously, referring to Solomon. But after that, our fathers had provoked the God of heaven unto wrath. He gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried the people away into Babylon. Notice how they're not making excuses, are they? They acknowledge the truth of what happened. Yeah, they're not going, oh, well, yeah, I don't know really what went on there. No, God whooped them. God God smashed them through Nebuchadnezzar, But in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Babylon, the same king Cyrus made a decree to build this house of God. And the vessels also of gold and silver of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought them into the temple of Babylon. those did Cyrus, the king, take out of the temple of Babylon. And they were delivered unto one whose name was Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. Remember that Sheshbazar was a Chaldean name given to Zerubbabel, yeah? Verse 15 and said unto him take these vessels go carry them into the temple that is in Jerusalem and let the house of God be builded in his place. Then came the same Sheshbazzar, and laid the foundation of the house of God which is in Jerusalem and since that time even until now have it been in building and yet it is not finished. Now therefore if it seem good to the king let there be search made in the king's treasure house which is there at Babylon whether it be so that a decree was made of Cyrus the king to build this house of God at Jerusalem and let the king send his pleasure to us concerning this matter that's a good answer isn't it in case you got a bit lost there that's what the the Jews the people building have replied okay They're, they're pulling it back to the original decree not obviously the king in between who ordered them to stop Yeah, so they're going, look, look for what the original decree was. And and sometimes, look, sometimes we have to deal with the powers that be in a smart way, don't we? Okay, sometimes we have to be clever. Sometimes we have to be smart with how we deal with things. How do we know how? How do we know how then to deal with them? Because, you know, are we smart enough? We just need some really clever guys to come around and work things out. Well, who's, where do we really, where's our, our ultimate wisdom and knowledge going to come from? It's going to come from God, isn't it? So, how do we do that? Well, turn to Proverbs 16. Basically, when we do things His way, we serve Him, we work for Him, He then guides us. That's what it comes back to, doesn't it? Is that when we serve Him, when we're doing things for God, He's going to guide us and help us to deal with people that maybe we wouldn't otherwise be able to deal with on our own, would we? And Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3, Proverbs 16, 3 says this, Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. And you could add to that, therefore, if your thoughts are established when dealing with people like this, you're just going to know how to answer, aren't you? When you're walking in the Spirit, we're guided by the Spirit, we're able to deal with these situations, deal with things in the right way, right? But when we don't, when it's in the flesh... It all goes wrong, doesn't it? And here they commit—they committed their works unto the Lord and they gave a pretty good response there, didn't they? And as we're going to see, they're going to go back and see what, what Darius actually originally said and they're going to get blessed with that, aren't they? Um, so that was a good answer for me. But that was, that was Ezra chapter 5. And um, look... What's the main lesson from that? It's just the benefit of preaching. But, but what's the truth with that is that you have to want that benefit from preaching. You have to come with, that, with an open heart to preaching. You have to come with the right spirit. You have to come to a church like this and accept, look, sometimes I'm gonna get a whooping. Sometimes I'm gonna get, I'm gonna feel it. Sometimes I'm gonna feel like I've been spiritually beaten up, you know, from, from the pulpit, but it's for your own good. But even more important than being for your own good, it's for the good of the kingdom of god isn't it because we're here to serve we're here to serve god and the way he motivates us to do that is through hard preaching yeah. on that let's pray father thank you for well just a great chapter in the bible there it just just shows clearly the effects of of men of god preaching practicing what they preach as well preaching preaching you know encouragement to work hard to get grafting to get working for for you lord and and just we see see a result straight away then they began to work they began to get grafting again lord we see motivational sermons there we see sermons which remind them of of failures of the past we see a sermon there that just just gave them a a rocket up you know uh, you know up the backside there really just told them to get going kick up the bum and get grafting for for the lord and um, we need that, Lord. Help everyone here to just take it in the right spirit as and when that does come in the future. Um, I'm going to keep pre- preaching those sort of sermons and, and we're going to keep preaching, you know, the, the whole council of God as well. And Lord, help us to just, just be guided by you. Help us to commit our works unto you so our thoughts are established. Help us to do that this week. Help us do that, um, you know, with with trying to, trying to make a way of getting here on Wednesdays as well, getting here on Sunday. Um, to, to to just serve you and to just be a part of your church, Lord. In Jesus' name pray all this Amen.